That is our guest's first hit. And I have to say one thing. We have a legend with us tonight. And there's very few legends around anymore. Well, you're and a legend. I'm not a legend. He, not, you can't even compare me. This man's a, a major star. I'm a bum compared to him. I've known this guy all my life. I'm happy to say he's my friend also. The great Frankie Valley, my man. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's always a pleasure. So how is California, my friend? Well, the weather's great. Yeah? Uh, uh, you know, I'm waiting for this pandemic to go away. Aren't we all? My God. Go back to work. I can only imagine. You probably never had this much time off in your life, in your whole career. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, this is the first time that I can, even as, as a kid when I first started out, uh, when I had this much time off. Oh, I, I haven't been over a year now. Has it been a year already for you? It's a, it's a year. Oh, that's right, yeah. I did my last date March 7th up in Niagara Falls View. So, yeah, it's over. It's over a year. You're right. Well, I'll tell you. I'm sorry. It's really tough when you're that active and you're, you're traveling as much as we have in the past to take a year off. I mean, we haven't been to rehearse. Wow. We have to wait until everybody is vaccinated. Has that happened for all of you guys yet? Uh, some of the guys haven't vaccinated yet. Right, My background singers have not been vaccinated. Oh, they're probably younger. Yeah. All right. Well, so, I mean, as far as you and I go back to the beginning of your career, I remember... The first time I even heard you. <laughs> I was a kid in the Copa, just hanging around the kitchen door. Well, times were a lot different. Too. The, it's the music business especially. Oh, my God. A lot more fun than it is today. You think it's better now? For, for well, I, I think it's probably worse for a, a new group. Well, it is worse. I mean, there's, a, there's no radio to really talk about. Uh, there are no record stores. Yeah, nobody's buying records anymore. There are no record companies anymore. I mean, mm -hmm. the the few record companies that there are left are mainly in the in the publishing business. Right. And and you're, you're probably one of your biggest promoters was Dick Clark and Alan Freed. People don't even know who they are. <laughs> Alan Freed and Murray the K. Murray the K, yeah. And Dick Clark. Bruce and Brucey. He's still he's still on the radio, cousin Brucey. Yeah, I know that. That's amazing. Do you remember Scott Union? Oh my God, yeah. 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 Well, radio was the big thing in the cars. Obviously, you know, that's like you said. I mean, the world was listening to you. And then Pat was able to find that soundtrack, which we'll lay in a lot better in our editing. Nightclubs in those days. Oh, yeah, hello. All the record acts. The big thing was to work in places like the Copa. Oh, I know. You yep. know, you, once you had worked in the Copa, you'd made it. That's it. Everybody would say, hey, you worked the Copa, you, you made. Yeah. 
That's so funny because, you know, I didn't realize that I, I went to work for Costello. I was like 13, 13 and a half. I didn't know, you know, how important it was until I was there all the time. And seeing the acts, you know, doing sound checks in the afternoon. I saw Sinatra doing a sound check after two years of listening to him on the radio. Once I knew I shared his birthday, December 12th. And he was my idol and I never met the guy. But, uh, he was my idol, too, and I never thought in my life that I would ever meet him. And, and I, I met him through an unusual circumstance. His mom uh, did a lot of charity work. Oh, Dolly. Yeah. And they, they had a, a, an event that, that a, a Catholic or, organization was running. For the blind, and Jimmy Rosselli was the star of the show, <laughs> and they were fighting over the size of the orchestra, and he wanted a bigger than twenty-piece orchestra, so he walked away from it. And I had a manager at the time, but you knew Ken Roberts. Oh yeah, Kenny Roberts, my God. Well, Ken knew Dolly well. He said, "Listen," he said, "Uh." I managed this group the four seasons. He says, they'll do it for nothing. And we did it for nothing. And Frank heard about it and sent for me. At first, I had no idea what he wanted to see me about. Yeah, hello. <laughs> that could be dangerous when he sends for you. <laughs> he told Julie to give me a call. And Julie said, I said, well, what does he want? What does he want from me? He said, he wants to see you, that's all. And that's how I, I met him and became friends with him and hung out with him and all of that. Oh, that's great. The fact that I was there for his mom when she needed help. Now, she was a character and a half. His mother was his driving force early on. Most people don't even know that. Oh, I know. But, uh, and obviously you went to Jilly's on 52nd Street. That was like... Yeah, the, I went to Jilly's every night that I wasn't working. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, it's it's when when you think about what you and I've experienced just by living in not 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 that I've had the same accolades you did, but I was around it all these years, and uh, you, you see, like my kids and my grandchildren today, I wonder what, what what's their excitement? What 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 do they have? Those podcasts, when Palmcad, whatever they call those things in their hands. That's that's their excitement. I don't know what they, what they do. Well, there's. Absolutely nothing like live performance oh, oh of my yesterday God. Yep. Uh, in comparison to today. Everything today is a production. You got 9,000 dancers and <laughs> you got fireworks. Oh, yeah. Special effects. You got everything going on. Uh, you know, I miss the days when it was... Just pure talent, a, man. A singer and a comedian. Yeah. That was the show. That was it. Bells and whistles. Yeah. In the Copa, you couldn't put dancers in there. <laughs> that stage was so small, forget about it. Well, the stage was a part of the floor. I know. It was floor level. There was no step up or anything. I know. And not only that, and it worked for them because as certain people came in, they added tables to the stage. <laughs> and you right. have... <laughs> there was hardly... A little spot on stage for you to stand in. Yeah, that's funny, man. 
great uh, great experiences though. I mean, I've seen you on probably almost every stage you performed on, especially in Vegas days. My God, and then when you when you went on your own, I mean, that was insane. But uh, and now the, the the Broadway play. I mean, you you've touched every part of the industry, acting, everything. Now, I mean, you I mean you probably have to look back and say. When you were singing on the street corners, doo-wop, and now look where you are. My God, God bless. Well, there was a choice. As I was growing up, I, I always wanted to do acting. And I also wanted to be a singer. And I found that it was a lot easier to make a living even when, until you made it or if you never made it as a singer. So I chose to spend most of my time being a singer because I didn't need anybody to get me a job. It was up oh, to yeah, me. Hello. <laughs> All those little saloons in New Jersey and New York, and you could you could work thirty or forty weeks a year. Yeah, and you... Actually, you had a you you had to hope that they wanted to use you in the picture and. Oh, it's the when, most insecure business in the world. Yeah, I, can't, I tell my kids next, that. Yeah, and when the next part would come. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I mean, uh, the experiences, as you say, I mean, your career, fortunately, it, it, it happened and never stopped, and you kept driving it. But like you say, these actors, they'll, they'll do two or three movies, and they don't work again. Because somebody don't like him, or they said something wrong to somebody, it's crazy. Oh no, it is crazy. So, what is new on the agenda? Just finishing well, up what you're doing, or you have something happening? The newest thing I have is a, uh, I have an album coming out. I think in June. Uh, something that I, I've wanted to do for most of my life before I became a rock and roll singer. Actually, I, I was into jazz ever since I was a kid. So I did a jazz album with uh, Joey DeFrancesco. Uh-huh. It's a jazz organ and probably one of the greatest organ players in the world. And I'm really excited about it. Oh, that's wild. So you think it's going to come out in June? Yeah. I'll look forward to that. I was going to play a, a jazz album and I don't know where the radio is going to come from. Yeah, hello. What's going to support it? <laughs> I, I did it out of love and, and something that I always wanted to do. Well, it's it's time for you to do anything you want. Now, obviously, if you don't do well, it now, the clock is ticking. Exactly. You know, and then I had a loyalty to my partners in the Four Seasons. And, and so my solo career... Was kind of I kind of put it on a shelf. But it's, it was I mean well as we the world knows, you just lost Tommy recently. I don't know about the, any other players, but it's been a devastating time for everybody. The, oh, yeah. This COVID has been killing so many people. And it's not over. That's why I'm I'm living like a hermit. I'm not going out there. I don't want to. To me, these people are dropping their guard too fast. I think. Have you gone for your shoes? Oh, yeah, I got both of them, yeah, fortunately. Yeah. Yeah, thank God. No, I ain't playing with that game. 
I didn't want to at first because I was part of the experiment in 1949 with Jonas Salk because I was in Bellevue for five years with polio here in New York. And then they started the experiment. It took them three years to get a polio vaccine. Here they got it in nine months. I'm saying, wait, I'm going to wait a while, see what happens with this. But they, I, I basically was forced to get the shot. The union called me, and they said, you have to go. But So I went, but I'm glad I did, because without it, I, you can't travel. It usually takes government to take a longer time to get something happening. Right. Fortunately, in the situation, the private sector was was very much responsible for the swiftness of this vaccine that came along. And I was watching a, sh a show uh, 60 Minutes the other night, and they're on the brink of being able to solve most viruses. Wow. They're on the brink of it. Every virus, even the common cold. Absolutely. The, the research has been phenomenal. Well, you know what? I, I, we, as we're talking about it, we're, we're recognizing just because of the news media how many countries and scientists around the world are, are participating and, and sharing. And I think that's what's motivating it. Yeah, you're right about that. They are. But the main thrust did come from this country. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, we had three American companies in, in less than a year. I mean, that's just fantastic. Now, the only thing I'm mad about now, Biden's taking all the credit. I think Trump really helped push it along at first. I mean, he, he's not the... Uh, uh, what could I say, the most etiquette guy in the world, but he did get some things done, that being one of them, I think. <laughs> I, I think so, too. I mean, I'm one of those kind of people that believe that people that do things should get credit for the right. things that they do. Right. Well, I know we have, a, I don't know if you met Megan yet, but Megan is my millennium and Pat. Pat's my co-writer. I don't know if I formally introduced you to him today, but... Um, Pat and I wrote a book that's fortunately a bestseller in seven countries now. And uh, they've done a lot of research, and you and I could talk a lot. In fact, the last time I was at your birthday party at Belmonte's, and I have a great picture that we're going to use to advertise the show of, Fr of Frankie and I on the sidewalk outside uh, two years ago. The last time we got together because of, right. of, of this whole virus again. That was a great birthday too, man. So, Megan, what do you have for, for this living legend that you probably thought you'd never <laughs> talk to in your life? <laughs> I know, that's definitely for sure. It is a pleasure to speak with you, Frankie. Well, um, so I did have a couple questions. One being, um, of course, when I was doing my research, I noticed that you played a lot of mafia figures um, in your acting career over the shows. Um, Miami Vice, Witness to the Mob, The Sopranos. So how did that come about, you you know, playing those types of roles? In, in most situations, it wasn't anything I, I was looking for to play any particular role. I think the challenge in the acting business is to be able to play anything. And I think it's, it's very dangerous for 
an actor who makes a, a living at, at being an actor to play one role all the time. So You're right. It gets typecast and that's it. Yeah, I mean, however it happened, uh, uh, they they called me, I guess, uh, they heard I was from Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> they knew there were a lot of wise guys that came. Oh, yeah, and you knew them. We had a couple of mutual friends. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about the way I grew up, I grew up in the heart of Newark, and it, it was a very heavily populated, organized crime situation. Now, all the places that I worked before there was any success were little bars and saloons that they called clubs. That they owned. <laughs> all in shape, and you worked in the middle of the bar, and, and the customers were all around the bar. And all those guys owned those places. I know, man. So you, you got to know everybody. I mean, I, I've had FBI visits. How come we saw you with this guy? I said, uh, what's your connection? Is he, are you in that family? I said, I've got no family, I said. <laughs> I'm a singer, I said. This is what I do, I said, I sing. I said, what do you want me to do? People come up to me and say, let me buy you a drink that was terrific, or would you sing this song? You want me to ask them what they do for a living? You're right. That happened to me when I went for my gaming license in Vegas. They had me with everybody. I said, excuse me. They own all the clubs. If you don't know a gangster, you're not working. Where are you going to work? Forget it. I mean, well, as smart as they are, as ignorant as they are in our lifestyle anyway. Well, they, they, they think, you know, because you might be very close to somebody, that they own you or you're with yeah. them. You know, I've been offered to be in a lot of different families. Hello. Stay <laughs> in my own family and not get involved in any of it. Thank God. So many people compared me to that same situation. You got to be with somebody. I say, yeah, I'm with my friends, not not family friends, but just people that I like. And, and you and I have had mutual friends. In fact, one particular, I'll mention his name. We used to see him on Sunday night at the uh, Mediterranean Tower every once in a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with that said, I mean, it, it's so they're so naive to it yet that don't you know who owns these places and who runs them? They're their places. You got to work for them, unless you're not going to work. Especially exactly. you being a star as big as you were. Exactly. And, and I, I mean, I mean, I had a visit one time, and they they asked what we talk about. <laughs> I said, what do we talk about? Do they tell you what they're doing? I said, I said, I, I I'm not in, in any organization here. I said, what do you think they call me to have dinner or for a drink to tell me what they're doing? I said, how do I know what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, it's so silly. Some of the questions I thought it was a joke when they asked me. It was crazy. It's crazy. Well, there were things that, you know, early on, when I was really a kid, that kind of looked after me and made sure that nobody gave me any crap. Uh, and they were my friends right to the very end. Right. Uh, and I knew their children and their wives. 
wives and their whole family. Right. Uh, and I, I never shied away from them. You know, if somebody is good and is watching out for me, why? Why would you? Yep. No. And why should I ask everybody what they do? The big problem in the world is everybody has their nose in everybody else's business. Right. <laughs> that is the big problem. And Pat, you you did some research. I know that, and you grew up listening to his music. Oh yeah. Uh, well, the first question I have, uh, I, I'm a big jazz guy, and I'm happy to hear you're doing a jazz album. What's the name of it? Uh, uh, Frankie Valley. Yes. I I didn't hear you. Can say it again, please. Jazz. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure our, our subscribers will be uh, looking for it. I know I will be. How how, how do they? I mean. How do I like a, a person like you know, who knows the traditional record business? How do you now promote a record? And is there a, is it a record or is it a soundtrack that's going out on the airwave or something? Well, it, it, it's not records anymore. It's it's CDs, and because of, of all the changes in the in the in the business in the music business. And the fact that there are no more record stores right. or any places that actually sell CDs. Uh, a hit today could be what was in the, in the 60s and 70s and 80s and, and a big piece of the 90s. You, had to, you sold a million records. Today, 200,000 is a smash. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Well, I thought the numbers would go up. That's interesting. They didn't go up because there's no venues. Yeah, and now people also download. Yeah, I was going to think about that streaming or whatever they call it, and they just download it. How how do they how how do you profit with that though? Who's watching that? Is is still AMA? What what is that? What was that? Um, American. You really. If you're in the business today, it's very smart to also be in the publishing business. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, for us, we very early on, before anybody, uh, we put ourselves in a position where we own all our masters. Oh, that's wild. Our publishing. So we're in control of what we do with any of that. That's great. Because even if people want to cover it, they got to pay you on that, right? Exactly. That's great. Well, especially with the publishing. It's very important. The publishing is probably the most important part. Publishing and writing. Uh, well, that's all why the writers are so rich. Well, it's to say the writer and publisher get the same amount of money. Right. Uh and get paid every time it's played on the radio anywhere in the world. So, except in America. Oh, really? Artists do not get paid. Writers and publishers get paid. Wow. But that that should be changing very soon. I was going to say, who's letting that go by this long? Jesus. Well, you know, there, there are some artists that didn't write any of the hits that they had. So if they play it on the radio, 
they're playing that version of the of the song. The artist should be paid as well as the writers and the, and the publishers. That's what I believe. I believe that too, yeah. I, I never knew that, actually. I've never been in the record business, just, you know, in a small way. But, but um, yeah, you would think that would have been changed long ago. Well, it's taken an awfully long time. And, and I'm sure that uh, a lot of the industry didn't want writers to become publishers and that created a whole other thing. That's another thing that made the business change a bit is the fact that nowadays people write their material and publish it themselves. So we don't need publishers anymore. That's true. Like we used to have them. Except in the places where you have Publishers that have major catalogs, uh, like EMI, or and Sony uh, and them, Sony. you know. Uh, uh, but it has changed immensely. I mean, yeah, I, again, it's like you, you say, what, what, what do you recommend to your grandchildren? What profession in the arts to go into? There's no secure way to go, or recommend yeah, somebody. You tell them what they should do is get a government job. <laughs> because in 20 years you could retire. Knows. My, my grandfather said that to me, <laughs> and I never took his advice. Well, there you, 20 years, if you start at 20 years old by 40. Oh, yeah, you, you got a pension. And get another job, and you still get the pension and everything else. Pat did that. Pat was a New York cop, man, then a detective. I'm a retired New York City lieutenant. I was out. I, I retired when I was 41. Now what do you do? Now he's doing podcasts and writing books. <laughs> Thank God. Well, I'll tell you, I wouldn't want to be a cop today. Oh, my I mean, God, no. <laughs> the respect I mean, is gone. We need to really bring it together. And, and both parties should work together to try to get something done. For the people who pay their salaries, yeah, it's it's. Well, you know, I, 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 we we could talk for days on that one because there's so many. It's a mixed bag of how people feel, and we're giving too many idiots a platform to speak on. Well, you know, I, I've gone full cycle. Yeah. I went from being a Democrat to a Republican uh, to a Libertarian, and I've now. And independent, and I like that. I don't care what party the guy is with, if he's good, and everything I read about him, and I do the proper research, that's the guy I'm going to vote for. And I think that's the way of, of the world today. You have to do it that way. The party, they're not staying united. So how they, you know you just can't group for uh, vote for a whole group of people that they're not even staying focused, unfortunately. Oh. Johnny, if I could, if, uh, Pat, oh, you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to ask a question about the Sopranos. Uh, your character, Rusty, was a was a phenomenal character. My, the best episode, or one of the best episodes on that show, which ran, I think, for seven seasons, was the episode where your character gets whacked. Uh, I don't think I'll ever look at my driveway the same way again. 
I, I, I really hated to see you go. I mean, you, you were the uh, quintessential uh, wise guy. You did a hell of a job on that, Frank. I had a lot of fun doing that. I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say I had a lot of teachers because you had that too. <laughs> they, yeah, I, you know, he's rolling into the driveway, and I'm saying, of course, the audience knows that you're going to get clipped, but I'm saying, no, he's gone. He's going to go. Something's got to happen here. They yeah. killed me, but they didn't listen to me. You know, so. Well, David Chase was really terrific. He, he, he was. A fan to start out with. And I remember the first time uh, they he asked me to audition for a part. Yeah. And I thought I did pretty good. And he made it sound like I did pretty good. He said, this part is just not right for you. He said, not the kind of part I want. That's the thing you don't want to hear. <laughs> well, you know, so he said... But I will find something or write something. And I thought, well, yeah, this is a nice way of saying goodbye. Uh, and right. for for our listeners who don't know who David Chase is, David created that show and stayed on to produce it and have a big hit, fortunately. I knew David. David wrote a, a movie for me when he was a writer at Universal Studios called The Dwarf in the Helium Hat. Which I thought, where are you, you going with this? It was a big, it's when they were doing those 90-minute movies. A brilliant guy, a brilliant guy. Oh, he certainly was. And, uh, you know, most people don't know that he's from Newark, New Jersey. Oh, I know. Yeah. And he grew up around the same thing that you grew up with, and I did. Yeah. So he, some of those characters were real. Oh, yeah. Only the name's been changed. <laughs> so, Frankie, he wrote he wrote the Rusty part specifically for you? Yeah. Now, and he worked around my schedule because I have to keep in mind that we were very busy. Touring, so he did it around my schedule. I probably would have done more episodes had I been available. Uh, but I six or seven, whatever it was that I did... Uh, I had a great time. Well, it's funny. Nick Nick Volalongo and Colin Wilson were just we were just talking about you the other day. We're going through our character breakdown on the book that Nick and I wrote, and we're we're doing a ten episode with a, an amazing crew. And uh, in fact, Chaz is writing three and directing them. Chaz Palminteri. And George Gallo is doing three and directing, along with Nick Vallelongo, who wrote Green Book. And they all said, we got to bring him in. <laughs> I said, well, he's, he's on my show Monday night. I'll let him know that. <laughs> you know, uh, Michael Imperial, who was in Soprano. Oh, yeah. Is also a phenomenal writer. Uh, you ought to look at some of the, the things that he's written. Uh you might want to use him on something. I think I think we go beyond if we get lucky and get a run on this, which it seems like it will because the book is still selling after it's out over two years already. So it's uh, we've we've had a great run with that, and I think you know we have 117 hours of this podcast up now. So they're looking at even the, the legs we've gotten on this. So with any luck, we'll be able to just keep on going. You know. Fortunately, and um, God knows I got enough stories. <laughs> if I could tell them all, it'd be great. 
Well, good things never get old. If yeah. you really think about it, uh, they make it make it quiet for a while. Then somebody rediscovers it. Right. It's like right now they're in the middle of they're in the middle of doing Jersey Boys for TV. Oh not, wow! Not for cable. Not uh, regular television. Netflix Network. Doing the play. Oh, wow. Uh, I personally think that the future of show businesses is going to be that way. There's going to be performances done for people like Amazon and Netflix and Sony and what have you, and CBS. I mean, they, there are so many outlets that need material. And with what's going on in the world, people are getting to the point where they don't want to go out. Yeah. Everybody I, has a widescreen TV in their house now. And they, they can, can watch it when they want. It's on demand at their will. So it's uh, the convenience of it, like you're saying. Well, uh, we're, we're experiencing that now, we're, even with what we're doing, because as you said, there's so many platforms that you could really choose from if you have the right material, because they well, want it. There's not enough material. Exactly. To go because if you if you watch everything that's on TV, a lot of it is just okay. Right. And, and that's because there isn't enough. So they're taking everything. This is a good opportunity for people who want to really get involved in shows that. <clears throat> Series. Yeah, that's why I'm taking my time with it. We've had so many strange offers of who should be playing me, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but some of them were so ridiculous. But, you know, I have one story, and I want to keep it in, in the continuity that it has to work. And, uh, and it's a, a New York guy in New York City, not some six-foot-three actor that think he's got TVQ and his agent's trying to sell him me. And what what I have in common with this guy? <laughs> it's craziness. Well, you have to stay true to what you are. Oh, I am. Thank God. One of the big problems uh, in series is that you'll get writers who will get stuck and they'll start writing stuff that never happened. Right. That uncomfortable yeah if they were doing now you know if you're they're doing, making it up and they, they and you'll know it anybody knows story. street they'll know street immediately right. immediately the whole story is made up then right. that's different that they can do whatever they want right but if they're talking about you and your character and it'd be as close to form as you possibly can get then you need to have some integrity Yep, I mean, that's what I'm doing. Thank God, I, you know, I, I didn't write the book till I was 75, because uh, I had to wait for some of our friends to pass on, so I didn't get them mad. <laughs> and now we're now we're having the privilege, unfortunately, staying in control of it. I'm not going to sell out. I think most of our friends have passed on. Well, well there was one guy that uh, Pat and I spoke about, and. He was doing life, but his arms still reached out of that prison. 
And as luck would have it, he died two weeks before the book came out. Oh, really? My publisher said, well, it was Junior, Junior Persico. So he said, we were worried about that. I said, well, I told you not to worry. It was crazy. And we were kind to him, but, you know, these guys, you could say one thing wrong, and they're, they're crazy. But Well, I mean, you know, with everything that, that we might say or people think that we might say, we weren't privy to everything that these guys actually did. Of course. Okay. I, I, so, only, I only told them what, how I got involved with it. That's all. You know, my, my little. I don't, I don't even know how anybody could get mad. I know. Well, you and I have been around enough enough to know they do, though. <laughs> All right, listen, I, I've had my share of a lot of crap. Uh, and, and oh, I know, I know you have. I know you. That's why I, I'm, without saying I know, because even in my small career, I had the same thing when they'd say, well, you know, I'm going to be with my wife, but my girlfriend's sitting on the other table, sing to her tonight. So I'd sing to, and then he comes backstage. Why were you singing to us so much? <laughs> you know or what I, I'm talking about, Frankie. You can't please him. Or I saw the way you were looking at her. Yeah, yeah, okay. With my eyes, I only have two eyes. How else can I look at her? <laughs> it's so crazy. Nobody realizes. Like you're walking on. When around, I mean, I love them, and they've been very good to me as they have been to you. But sometimes they're just so unreasonable, and it's it's craziness. Well, the greatest thing that ever happened for me is growing up as the the one guy that's in New Jersey boys, Chip DiCarlo. Of course, was he 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 was like the guardian angel. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. And. He had certain people he just liked a lot, and he didn't want anybody to do anything to hurt them in any way. And he was a guy that that stood up for me. If anybody, he made sure that nobody came around and gave me any crap. Now, for most of my life, I never knew that was going on. Of course. No. Nope. It's later on you hear the stories. Right. And that's when, I mean, right up, he went to prison. Uh, he was in Atlanta Federal Prison. And I went down there with the group and did a couple shows in the prison and was visited by the FBI. Want to know what we talked about? And so the guy amazing. was dying of cancer. Yep. I know. And he was in the can. I mean, you know, his kids were like my own kids. Right. And I know his wife and all of his family ever since I was a kid. Well, I know. I mean, and, and like you said, the respect he showed you, how could you not give it back? You weren't involved what he did. Hello. Exactly, and he always said to me, he says, if anybody asks you if you're with anybody, you're with nobody. Exactly. Yep. I said, well, what do you mean I'm with nobody? I said, so why can't I say I'm with you? He said, because if you're with me and anything happens to me, somebody else He's will. He's going to come and claim you. Yep. 
Yeah, that's so crazy, man. Unfortunately, like you, I've had same people advise me right, where a lot of them naively said the wrong thing, and then when they pass, now from now on you're with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I'm a piece of furniture. <laughs> you know, the funny thing that happened with with Bob Gordio one time, uh, we were having a little uh, riff with, with some people, and a guy came to Gordio and said, listen, don't worry about anything. If you, anything happens, you just tell them you're with me. Gordio said, I'm already with somebody. <laughs> Who are you with? He says, I'm with the FBI. My uncle's in the FBI. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. That is funny. <laughs> That's a funny line. So, Megan, you have anything in closing to say to Frankie? Yeah, absolutely. If I could ask one more thing, that would be great. Um, Frankie, how familiar are you with TikTok? With who? TikTok. It's a social media platform. TikTok. I so am it's, not that familiar. Well, it's a it's a video platform where people share, you know, short videos, mostly of them dancing. And a lot of times certain songs will go viral and then, you know, all the TikTok famous kids, these are teenagers with hundreds of millions of followers will do these dances to certain viral songs. And your song, um, Beggin, went viral within this past year. And there were, you know, hundreds of thousands of videos of people dancing to it. So what would you, what do you think contributes to the longevity of your music? And what do you think, what do you predict for the longevity of artists from this generation? Well, let's start off first with artists of this generation. I, it doesn't seem as though they last as long as they used to. I mean, to build a career on on having a hit or two and then disappearing from the face of the earth right. is, is not something that, you know, I, I, w I would advise all kids to have something more that they can fall back to. You know what I mean? I, when I, before I even had any major success, uh, I had a, a regional success and I did the Ed Sullivan show three times with a group called The Four Lovers. And then we had a cold period and I went to school to become a hairdresser. That's what, you know, I, I said. You and I both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said, I, I have to do something. What, what? And I, I didn't want to do something. You know, I, I had no interest in, in, in becoming a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or any of that. My whole interest as a kid was mainly... I wanted to be a singer. I was about six years old. My mother took me to New York to the Paramount Theater. I saw Sinatra. There you go. Right then. So nothing else was important. I left high school uh, right at, at, at my last year and when I forged straight ahead. I said, if ever I'm gonna make it at something, I'm going to have to put full concentration on what I'm doing. And that's, so I also learned from doing 
demos for publishers and stuff like that, how important publishing really was. So when I hooked up with Bob Gordio, who's been my partner for over 50 years on a handshake, uh, that's what we did. I was interested in owning masters and being in the publishing business. This wasn't, I wasn't on an ego trip and wanted to be a big star and, and somebody waiting on me hand and foot all the time. I knew that there, everything that goes up comes down. The way to really sustain yourself was to build something that worked for you when you weren't working so that you could earn that way. So that's what I did. So that was the right thing for me. I think whatever you want to be, whether you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a chemist, a mathematician, you need to concentrate on, on that thing It's and really refine it to the point where you're that good at it, as opposed to being a jack of all trades and master of none. Yeah. So that, that was the analogy that I, I used for it. But kids today, you know, if you have a hit, it's really okay because you'll make big money in the beginning, bigger than we made when, in the 60s. But you'll use all this money to create production that you'll never be able to sustain if you get a little cold. There's no way. Right. I mean, you see, everything is a, is a major production today, with dancers and singers and and, and fire and, and lightning and, and lights and all the all the other bullshit. But I don't know what to. You know, the best advice I could give any kid, and I don't. I wouldn't want to tell anybody whose heart wasn't in what they're doing, that they shouldn't do it. Because nobody could have told me that when I was doing it. And many people tried to tell me that. And I just went straight ahead and that's, that's as much as I could do to help uh, any kid to let him know that he has to also be a business person. You can't take all this money and make and use it. No, that's great advice, man. And I got to thank you for, for being and taking the time out of your life to sharing this with us and our audience. Fortunately, it's all over the world. And um, again, I'm so proud to be your friend and part of your whole life on the periphery. And we thank you. I know, Pat, you want to say something in closing also? I, in actuality, I grew up with your music. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's been an honor to meet you, truly. I'm sorry. We, we just loved doing the music we did. Uh, in the beginning, I didn't really want to be a rock and roll singer. I, you know, I, I was really interested in jazz. When I saw the effect that it had, the success of, from the Four Seasons, the effect it had on audiences, I it just opened my head up to all music is good if it's done well. 
And that's how I looked at it after that. Uh, without doing it that way, I, I could have been sidetracked. Well, your career, your career speaks for itself and your decisions were all made. And Megan, in closing, the, the Millennium, what do you have to say for your group out there? She has a whole following, Frank. She has, she, she's got more followings than we do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. But no, it's truly an honor to speak with you. I know my mom is a big Four Seasons fan, so she was freaking out when I told her that we were going to be speaking with you. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, too. And thank, thank you, guys. Hey, and John, I hope to see you soon. We definitely will, my friend. Thank you again. God bless. Thank you. I'll be right back with the mailbag. This episode is brought to you partly by Hollywood Godfather La Familia. This sponsor is particularly important to Gianni, Patrick, and myself because it is giving you, our fans, the opportunity to join our family. When joining our family, you have the chance to purchase virtual interactions with Gianni, Patrick, and myself, such as Zoom meetings and video greetings. In addition, you have access to signed merchandise from Gianni, including signed copies of his memoir, Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob with Patrick Picciarelli, as well as signed photographs from The Godfather. Visit HollywoodGodfatherFamily.com to join and to learn about how you can become an associate or even an underboss or boss of the family. Such status will come with perks. Prices and details are also available at HollywoodGodfatherFamily.com. Trust us, this is an offer you can't refuse. All right, we're back. All right, let's get on to the mailbag. I think we have time for a couple questions. Yeah, thank um, God Frankie's... obviously had a lot to say. Yeah, and our audience who was listening to everything prior to up to now, you can understand out of respect to his talent and worldliness in the industry, in the world, how do you tell him we're going to cut you, you gotta off? you got to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he was Goodbye, Frank. No, that's perfect. <laughs> Never. All right. All right. Well, we got time for a couple of questions, so let's get into it. First is from Dennis. Dennis says, Hi, Gianni. About 15 years ago, I read a fantastic book called Mr. S., it was a memoir written by Frank Sinatra's longtime valet, George Jacobs. Do you remember Mr. Jacobs? If oh. so, what memories do you have of him? Love the podcast, by the no, way. No, George Jacobs was around him forever. In fact, when I was getting my singing lessons, when he opened the door in Palm Springs, he said, did you bring your bathing suit? And I'm saying, what is this, a catchphrase? Because Dorothy, his secretary, asked me to bring a bathing suit. So I just said, bring a bathing suit. Everybody I met, bring a bathing suit. And I wasn't going swimming. I wanted to learn how to sing. But then I found out why. But uh, he was around him a long time. My God. I I think he was kind to Frank, too. He he didn't abuse him too much. Not that I read the book, but. All right. Next is from Tim. Tim says, loving the podcasts and the book. Lent the book, and they thought it was awesome. Question for Gianni. Did he ever meet Walt Disney? Also, has he ever visited the Brando Resort, as he had a big impact on him, and it's themed in his honor? Thank you, Tim from Newcastle, UK. No, I never met Walt Disney. No, I mean, he was a little before my time, but I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how old these people think I am, but no, I didn't meet Walt Disney, and nor did I want to. I was never into, you know, I didn't watch cartoons. I was in a hospital, didn't have television. We're in the, in the late 40s, 50s, and when I got out, I was on the street, man, day and night. So I didn't meet Walt Disney. I wish I did, though. I heard a lot about him. And what was the other part of the question? Um, the Brando Resort. Have you ever been there? 
Resort. Yeah. Where's the Brando Resort? I never even heard there was one. Hmm, let me do a quick search. The Brando Resort. The Brando Resort is a luxury resort in French Polynesia. No, he created that. No, I no, no, thank you. I wouldn't go near there. No, thank you. That's how <laughs> we, he created a big tax shelter there. So we owned it. Mm. That was, it was perfect. No, I never went. Nor would I want to go. I love Polynesian food, but not that that much. Did you ever go, Pat, to a Polynesian resort? <laughs> I, I, in fact, I, I, I was on my way when you and I started writing the book, and I had to, uh, you know. You had to cancel it. <laughs> Darn. It's unfortunate. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Next is from Karen. Karen says, hi, this question is for Gianni and Patrick. I'm wondering if there was any mob involvement pertaining to the 1990 Isabella Gardner Art Museum heist in Boston. Through the years, there have been discussions about this. I'm sorry. Through the years, has there ever been any discussion about this in organized circles? Cheers, Karen. Excuse my flub there. Well, Whitey Bulger came to my house for a lot of Sundays. He never brought it up, so I don't know. And I had a lot of artwork. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was eyeing it. <laughs> Do you know anything about a pet? Yeah, a little. I spoke to uh, an undercover cop who was working with the FBI uh, about five years ago, maybe four years ago. Uh, they said, the FBI said that they had it solved. They knew where the artwork was. And they knew who the robbers were. That's the last I heard of it. But anyway, it was the biggest art heist in this country in history. Wow. And to this day, I don't care what the FBI said, it's still unsolved. Well, I think I'm, I'm sure you would know. Okay, moving right along. All right, next one is from Susan. Susan says, love your show. Question, I remember Gianni saying he had a long friendship with Dionne Warwick. I'm a big fan of her sister, Dee Dee Warwick. She had a beautiful voice. I always wondered why she was never more famous. What do you know about her? Thank you and keep up the great work. Well, Dee Dee, as I knew, I knew I mean, I knew the whole family. I mean, their cousin Sissy, who was Whitney Houston's mother. But they were all gospel singers. And Dee Dee, I mean, was a, was a tough character, worse than her sister, which is almost impossible to say about anybody because Dion was headstrong. And but she had, was a class of her own, and her younger sister trying to match that. I don't think that you know there was a, a, an audience for two at the time, and that's why uh, nobody really heard about Dee Dee that much, as I know. Hmm. All right, last one for tonight is from Ian. Ian says, hi, guys, loving the show. Having had to shield again for the last three months, I've caught up on all of the podcasts and I'm now up to date. I've also read both of Patrick's Rayel books, and they are a cracking read. I know they're based on his cases. Just wondering what case Popline was based on. Love you all. Thanks for keeping me sane while I was locked in the house for another three months. From Ian in Garforth near Leeds in the UK. Wow. Thank you, Ian, for reading the books. The first book was based on a case that I worked I was hired by Penthouse Magazine to work the case, and eventually I turned it into fiction. Uh, the second book in the series, Pop Line, was strictly fiction. It wasn't based on anything. Wow, when he was he was in quarantine that many months in the UK. Yeah, I think at some point, yeah, Europe shut down 
pretty yeah. tight again. Oh, I know that. I'm, I'm, my uh, Barcelona just uh, uh, Barbados and uh, Barcelona just closed down again. They're making my shirts because of the uh, the um, eruption of the volcano. Oh my! We've had a lot of obstacles this year. <laughs> Volcanoes, storms. <laughs> just a few. <laughs> yeah, just a few. Just a couple. Well, we thank all of you again for listening in. And uh, we are here all the time, man. Every Wednesday, a new show. We need you. Tell your friends. Write, I mean, interviews and, and um, what are they called? That we're supposed to reviews, reviews. There you go. That's it. But thank you. God bless. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And we'll be talking to you next week. God bless. Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night.